If you have been here, you know that we have been studying Revelation. We went through the seven letters to the seven churches, and we got to the end of chapter 5, and we kind of took a little break. The next topic is the seals and the tribulation beginning. So we talked about the rapture, and then we talked about what happens when I die. If those two topics interest you and you weren't here, go online, go to our website. You can, you can learn about those. But today we're going to spend one more week in the section between chapter 5 and chapter 6. In other words, we're not going to move forward. We're going to, we're going to create context today. Because you have to read the tribulation period, which is the next section. You have to read that with some information or it won't make sense as you read it. Most people get to this point in the book. They read a few things they don't understand. And they say to themselves, okay, that's as far as I can go. And they quit. Well, we need to read the whole book. We need to get all the way to the end. And today's lesson is going to prepare us to not get nervous, not get scared, and to understand the flow of the tribulation period. So we're going to be heavy in our notes today. I'm going to refer to a few scriptures. They are listed in your notes. You can look them up later. If you're quick, you can see them. But we're going to take a kind of a flyover of the entire tribulation period. Okay, so look at your notes. We'll get started. Let's start with the title, The Future Progression of God's Interactions with Mankind. I want you to see the book of Revelation as God's future interactions. Do not allow yourself to fall into the category of Revelation is all about judgment. I'm going to make it clear today that Revelation is not all about judgment. It, it, it leads to judgment, it gets to judgment, but there's a lot more there. And if all we're looking for is judgment, we're going to miss the majority of what Revelation has for us. So it's a future progression. God is going to interact with mankind directly and in a very loud, indirect way so that God and mankind are seeing each other. More importantly, mankind is seeing, identifying, and realizing there most definitely is a God. And they're going to be put in a position to choose whether to serve God or not serve God. And that's the, the, the end game of Revelation. So there's a future progression. We're talking about what's going to happen in the future. We're going to talk about what God is going to actually do among the people of the earth. And remember, at this point in time, as we begin chapter 6, the rapture has taken place. So number one in your notes, context. The whole sermon is context today. Information that will help us understand what we read. Number one, Revelation's information regarding the tribulation begins in Revelation 6-1 and ends in Revelation 19-21. That's 14 chapters. 14 chapters about, about the tribulation. Uh, the majority of the book, this section is right after the rapture and it's right before the thousand-year reign of Christ. That's where it fits. And it's the tribulation. It's not a tribulation. It's not one of many tribulations. It's not my tribulation, it's the tribulation. It is a defined time period set in the future that God will bring about according to his will for a purpose. And that's how we need to look at it. It's not just something that's going to happen. It's God's will taking place. It's God doing what he plans to do. This is not a report of what accidentally happened. This is a report of what will intentionally happen. And he takes 14 chapters to explain it. He takes that long to explain it, we should pay a little closer attention to what's being said there. 
Number two, Revelation 20 to 22, jumping ahead, way, way ahead. This is going to seem really obvious, but there is a point to be made. Revelation 20 through 22 come after the tribulation. So there is something coming after the tribulation. The tribulation period is not the end. It is a set period of time, and there is something that comes after. Just as a preview, here are some things that come after. A, the thousand-year reign of Christ. We don't know a lot about the thousand-year reign of Christ, except that it lasts about a thousand years. Right? It's a very long period where Christ will sit on a throne, and he will rule the inhabitants of the earth, and they will be human beings still with the sin nature, and they will have an opportunity to live with Christ in charge, and then choose to follow or not follow. Many will choose to follow. Many will choose not to follow. Very interesting. I don't know how that works. I don't know how you can be under the authority of Jesus whom you can see, touch, smell, look at, and hear, and not follow him. But there will be some that do. But that's the thousand-year reign of Christ. We'll talk about that when we get there. There's, Satan is released back into human society, which means that he was bound... So during that thousand-year reign, Satan is down, so the mastermind of all evil is not present to do his work. That's a, another factor that makes it hard to believe people won't trust in Jesus. But he will be released at the end of the thousand years, and he will have his free reign again, and he will draw many to himself who choose not to follow Christ. After that takes place, we have see the great white throne judgment. This is when every human being that's ever been alive who was not resurrected and who did not die during the tribulation period, they are, they are raptured, they stand before God, and they are judged according to their deeds. We talked about that last week. The great white throne judgment is also when believers are judged according to their deeds. But the list is different, because our sinful deeds have been, have been separated, been thrown out as far as the east is from the west, because Jesus Christ paid for them on the cross. So those deeds are not written in the books, all the deeds we have to be judged for are righteous deeds. Therefore, believers are given reward, but the evil deeds of the unbelievers are all there, all recorded, all to be read, and they will be judged accordingly. So we have the great white throne judgment. And each of these things we'll talk about more specifically towards the end of our study. D, after the white throne judgment, we have the destruction of the earth. This is an interesting concept. We don't know exactly all that's going to be destroyed, but we know the earth will be destroyed. The earth will be destroyed by fire. After the earth is destroyed by fire, we are immediately introduced. So E, we have the introduction of the new heaven and the new earth. The new earth is going to be much like, I think, if not identical to the original earth, as God created it, as God planned it to be before sin to, left its mark before the flood left its mark. We will experience earth as it always was intended to be. We'll experience it in perfection and, and, and we'll interact with that perfection. So the, the new earth and the new heaven is the place described with gates of pearl and streets of gold where our, our mansion is, where, where the throne of God is. That's the new heaven. So the new heaven and the new earth. We have the new earth and it's Describes the new heaven coming down to the new earth. That's coming. And then F, um, we experience the inhabitants of our final eternal home. It's, it's our final place. And it's going to be 
I think, so different that we can't describe it. We're, we're going to work. We're going to pay tribute to God. We're going to worship God. We're going to be doing a lot of things. But it won't be work like we go to work. Tom made a comment this morning that he wished he never had to go to work. That won't be the case in heaven. We'll be working for Christ. And it'll, it'll be glorious. and It'll be joyful. And it'll be the way he intended it. So a, a lot of unknowns there. But what we do know indicates and, and, and really promises us that it won't be boring. And it, it, we won't get tired of it. It will be as God intended it. So we'll interact with God. So that's all, that's all after the tribulation. Let's get back to the tribulation. Number three. As you read, you will notice that the seventh seal contains the seven trumpets, and the seventh trumpet contains the seven bulls. Now, that may be the first time you've ever heard of seals, trumpets, and bulls. So this is how the tribulation is laid out in Scripture. The seals are open. Remember when, when we had the throne scene, and the question was asked, who was worthy to open the scroll and break the seal? And then it was discovered that Jesus Christ, the Lamb, looking as if he was slain, was worthy. And he came and he took the scroll. Well, the seals, there's seven seals on there, we find out. And each seal is broken and it reveals something. The seventh seal, when it's opened, reveals the seven trumpets. Trumpets proclaim. Seven proclamations are made by God. And the seventh proclamation is that judgment is coming and then the bowls of judgment are poured out. So that's the progression, and that's just a, 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 something to kind of keep in mind, something to learn, so that when we read about these things, they make sense. Number four, Revelation 6, 1 to nineteen twenty one, the tribulation period, follow a progressive pattern. And I really want you to get this. There's three progressive patterns. We've already seen one. We've seen a progression um, just in the way it's laid out, but three progressive things I want you to notice. Number one, A, in your notes, from subtle to dramatic. The tribulation period starts off really subtle, very subtle. As a matter of fact, if it weren't for the rapture, seals one through three would not even be noticeable. If you cheat a little bit and look ahead and look at your chart, seal number one is a peaceful beginning where... where, uh, Kind of the government is taken over by peace, so then there's a hostile takeover, then there's an extreme famine. We have these things happening today. Not on a worldwide scale, but in a large part of the world and in various places, we have these things happening today. We don't think much about them. Oh, there was a coup in this place. Oh, well, not surprised. Oh, there's a famine over here. Oh, I have a lot of famines, not surprised. These things could happen without anybody noticing. But when they happen worldwide after the rapture, everyone's going to notice. The purpose of the rapture is is God's first time in this end time saying, Hey, pay attention, I'm God. I took all the Christians out. I did it for a reason. I got your attention. Now watch these things happen just like I said they would. And as they happen, we recognize them. And it goes from very subtle, things that are already happening around the world, to very dramatic. Okay? Subtle to dramatic. Number two in your notes, trumpets five through seven, that's the, that's the middle part of, well, of the tribulation. Trumpets five through seven are called the three woes. And the three woes mean, hey, pay attention, this is worse than before. Like, 
you're not going to like this. I want you to know ahead of time, this is bad news. And they're brutally unimaginable. Okay, we'll read through them in a little while. But it went from, you may not even notice it's happening if it wasn't for the rapture, to there's no possible way this is happening unless God himself is doing it. That's not subtle. So we go from subtle to dramatic. And there's a progression through the entire tribulation. B in your notes, we go from evangelistic to judgmental. And this is really important. You're not going to understand Revelation or the tribulation unless you realize that God is still calling people to repentance. God doesn't need seven years to build a case. He doesn't need seven years to get the job done. God could end it right now in a split second and say, I'm done. That last moment in time was enough. Now we're done. Everything is complete. He could do it just that fast. He has that authority and he has that power. But he takes seven years because this is his last effort to reach the world with the gospel. The rapture. Hey, everybody. I'm God and I just took all the believers. Just like I said I would. You better pay attention to what's coming next. It will also be just like I said it would. And you should, you should accept my gift of salvation. You should make me your Lord and your Savior because what's coming is not nice. It's not good. I'm telling you in advance, you don't want to be without me when that comes. So give me your attention. Hear the message. Trumpets 1 through 6 proclaim that God is real. And he's in control. He, he does things that, that cause humanity to say God is real. Matter of fact, we're going to talk about it at one point in time. The rulers of the, the world, the popular and powerful people, hide themselves from God because they know this is from God, and they literally say, mountains fall on us. Kill us. I'd better be dead than bow my knee to this God. They know what's going on. So God is proclaiming, and then the trumpet number seven, which is actually bells one through seven, proclaim that God's patience is over. He says, I've, now, now we've reached the end of my patience. I've done everything I can do. There is no possible way you don't know who I am. There's no possible way you don't understand that I'm calling you. And if you're still rejecting me, then it's over with. And that's at the end of the tribulation. So we have subtle to dramatic evangelistic to judgmental, and then see we have confusion to clarity. Confusion to clarity, that's the progression. In the beginning, after the rapture, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to try to take advantage of the rapture. Just think of how things work today. Something happens, everyone tries to spin it for their own agenda. So the Christians are all going to be gone, and there's going to be some false teachers who are still here, and they're going to say something like, wow, hey, this is God's doing, and now, now we're going to move forward. God removed them because they were the cancer. They were the blight. So now, now we're in a good spot. Follow me now. There'll be some false teachers doing that. There'll be some, some people who have never embraced God. And, and then they may say something which sounds ludicrous, but we're on the brink of saying it now. You know, now that evolution's kind of been proven ineffective, you know what's now? Aliens. Aliens planted our planet with life, and they grew. And now, so the explanation's going to be, here: the aliens, they've come back, 
and they've weeded out the population. They've gotten rid of the bad ones. Now we can thrive. And that's really how the subtle takeover is going to take place. So God's going to make an announcement. He's going to remove all the Christians. And, and God's saying, I did exactly what I said I was going to do. I did it exactly how I said I was going to do it. You should know I'm God. And then other people are going to go, no, 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 that wasn't God. And if it was God, he was getting rid of the bad and, and rid of the good. And, and, and there's going to be a lot of confusion. People are going to go, who's right? Who's wrong? Is, is the Bible right? Are all those people that disappeared, were they right? Or are they cancer? Are these people now right? What, who do we follow? What do we do? And there's going to be a lot of confusion. But like I said, by the time we get to seal number 6, and you can read this in Revelation 6, 15 and 16, people are making definite choices and they're actually calling for death rather than repenting. And it's the rulers and it's the powerful people who are saying, no, uh, kill me now. So confusion to clarity. By seal 6, it's pretty clear there's something going on and God is the one behind it. So it's a progression. It's a progression all through the tribulation. Number 5. The seals are not judgment. The seals are not judgment, but instead show us what is happening as a result of the rapture. So when you read the seals, remember what a seal does? You open a seal and it shows you what's in the scroll. It reveals what's already there. It reveals what's already been written. And God said, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to write about it before you get there. When you open this seal, you're going to see it. And so we have some... Some pretty dramatic things happening, but what we see is a, a quiet takeover, and then a hostile takeover, and we see a famine, and this is because of their response. And God's saying, I knew how you were going to respond, I knew what was going to happen, here's what it is. The seals are not judgment, they're a revealing of what God has already known would happen. And it's happening as a result of the rapture. Each seal reveals progression of man's response. And we'll get really specific when we study them. Number six, the trumpets are not judgment either. What do trumpets do? Even in the cartoons, what do trumpets do? You watch a cartoon and a little elephant blows its nose and it goes, doo, 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 doo. the king's coming, right? What, is, what, is, what did the trumpet mean in Israel? It's time to pray. We're proclaiming it's time to pray. Or we're proclaiming the king is coming. You, you blow the trumpet when you have an announcement to make. A trumpet is a proclamation, and God is going to proclaim himself to the world. That's not a judgment. God revealing through the seals is not judgment. God proclaiming through the trumpets is not judgment. It's a proclamation of his power, a call to repentance, and showing his reaction to man's rejection. He said, if, if you reject me, this is how I respond. And we'll talk, we'll get real specific about that when we study that section. Number seven, he notes the bulls are judgment. They are judgment. They're, they're literally called the bulls of God's wrath. And this is God saying, what you've done on earth, there's punishment for on earth, and I'm going I'm to I'm punish you in these ways. They are, however, back to your notes, limited and evangelistic. The final judgment is paid for in hell, not on earth. But the final judgment comes in hell. This is God judging the people who have rejected him so that those who have not decided yet have a very clear picture of who God is and what he's doing, what he's capable of. It's still evangelistic. 
he's still calling out to them, even though this is judgment now. So the seals are not judgment, the trumpets are not judgment, the bulls are judgment. Number eight, the entire tribulation is a call for repentance and salvation. It is evangelistic. We know that millions of people are saved during the tribulation period. Millions of people are saved during the tribulation period. We'll read about them in various categories, but they're there. Number nine, I believe, and I will try to convince you, the seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bowls are literal events. Literal events. In other words, they really happen. Literal events and literal accounts of things mankind will experience in the tribulation. I think these things are really going to happen. This is not poetic material. This is not metaphorical. These things are really going to happen. So the, the seals, the trumpets, and the bulls. Number 10, though. There are also, there is also quite a bit of metaphorical, symbolic, and often confusing things talked about in the text surrounding these events. When the seventh seal is open, we have a, a fairly large amount of text before the first trumpet is blown. And when the seventh trumpet is blown, we have a fairly large amount of text before the first bowl is poured. And, and that's where a lot of this weird stuff takes place. And we're going to do our best to, to, to look into those things. What I want you to know is there are real events described, and there are metaphorical, symbolic, and things like this also. And, and we'll figure out which is which, but these things that we're mentioning today are real. They are real, and they will happen. Number 11, during the last three and a half years of the tribulation, there are two witnesses proclaiming God's message in front of the temple. You can read about that in Revelation 11. I'd encourage you to do that. They're very interesting people. They're two people, two men, who proclaim God's message, which has to at least include the gospel and maybe some more. They proclaim the message, but they can't be killed. Because what would evil's natural response be? Well, let's just kill them. Well, they try. They can't be killed. Not only can they not be killed, they can perform miracles. They can call plagues. And they can do a lot of stuff. They do this for three and a half years. 1,260 days. And they do this, and, and they're going to be reported about in the news. They're, they're out in the open. They're not hiding anywhere. And then all of a sudden, God allows them to be killed, and they land the ground for three or four days. The, the people of the earth have a party and exchange gifts celebrating that these two people are finally shut up. And then God raises them from the dead again. And they continue on. And that's just God saying to them, hey, I'm real. I have a message for you. Follow me. So for three and a half years, the last three and a half years, we have that going on. And then number 12, also during the last three and a half years, if you reject Christ and choose to follow the beast, who we'll talk about some more later, you are given the mark of the beast and you are sealed in his deception. This is where it gets super scary. This is where it gets really scary, because if you take the mark, then you have chosen. You can't take the mark, try it for a while, turn around and say, Hey, you know what? I don't think this is the guy I thought he was. I want to follow God now. God says, No. You made your choice. You aligned yourself literally with Satan, and now you have to stick with it. That's the scary part, because there will be people who will blindly take the mark, who will blindly do what they're told. And so we have, to be, we have to be aware of that. We'll talk more about that. 
I know you're getting excited, folding your papers. Open that, open that trifold up. I want to run through this super fast. This is an outline of the tribulation period. I want, to, I want you to notice a few things. Hopefully it'll set in looking at this. So the first column are the seven seals. The second column are the seven trumpets. The third column are the seven bowls. Notice the dotted lines down at seal number seven. They go out and include the seven trumpets. The seventh trumpet goes out and includes the seven bowls. So the seven bowls and the seven trumpets are all included in the seventh seal. So the seventh seal is the, is the kind of where it all opens up. The first four seals take about three and a half years. Around three and a half years. So it starts off slowly. The subtle takeover by peaceful means. Then the hostile takeover because people that want power don't don't sit around and talk peace. They manipulate, maneuver, and try to take over. So there's a battle, and then the Antichrist is in charge. Okay? And, and because of this battle, we have the famine happening, and all this stuff is going. And then we have massive death, number four. This massive death, it says a quarter of the earth is, is killed. A quarter of the population is killed. So after the Christians are all gone, a quarter of who is left all die, that gets their attention again. What do they die from? Sword, famine, and plague. They, di they die from the hostile takeover, from the famine, and from diseases that come from those two things as well. The natural progression of things as man reacts to the rapture. That takes three and a half years. That's half the tribulation period. The fifth seal reveals, remember the seals reveal, reveal that people have been killed already and are already amassing. These are, these are Christians, people who became believers during the first three and a half years. They have been killed and they're in the presence of God. A massive martyrdom has taken place because they refuse to follow the Antichrist or refuse to follow Satan. Seal number six is that royal deception where the leaders lead the people into rejecting God. And when they have rejected God as a whole, there are still individuals who haven't chosen, but as a whole they've rejected God, then the seventh trumpet is blown. The seventh trumpet being blown reveals, or the seventh seal being opened reveals the seven trumpets. We get a little more exciting. Things get a little bit more obvious. God is proclaiming something. So the first trumpet blows, and we have hail, fire, and blood, and a third of everything is burned up. A third of everything is burned up. The second trumpet is blown, and a burning mountain is thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea is destroyed. The third trumpet is blown, and wormwood, which if I remember right was a star, falls, and a third of the fresh water turns bitter. The fourth trumpet is blown, a third of the sun, moon, and stars turns dark, obviously from God, and the result of that is a third of every day is dark, and a third of every night is completely dark. This is God proclaiming his power over nature, nature, nature and creation. He's proclaiming, I'm in charge. I can do whatever I want to do. I can make it dark a third of the time. I can take out a third of the ocean. I can take out a third of the fresh water. I'm in control and I'm powerful. That's what he's proclaiming. Then trumpets 5, 6, and 7 are called the three woes. And what God's saying is, hey, the three woes are coming. You're really not going to like this, the first woe. This is when it gets a little crazy, but these locust-like creatures with scorpion-stinging power come, and, and, and they just wreak havoc. 
We'll read about that. Trumpet six blows and angelic horsemen kill one third of mankind. So if the rapture's taken place, a bunch of people are gone, a fourth of who's left is gone, now a third of who's still there is gone. And God is showing through these two trumpets his divine power. That he's not only in charge of the earthly things, he's in charge of the other than earthly things, the angels and the demons and these crazy locust things. Then the seventh trumpet is blown and it reveals the seven bowls of judgment. And the third woe is judgment being poured out. And really quickly, this involves the first bowl is festering sores. And don't think like a mosquito bite. We'll read about it, but it's bad news. Festering sores. Um, turns the sea to blood and everything in it dies. So you guys that like to fish in the ocean, you won't be. Okay, everything's dead. It's going to turn the fresh water to blood and everything in it will die. The fourth bowl will be a scorching sun. It's going to make Death Valley look like the tropics. Then number five, complete darkness. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Number six, the Euphrates River dries up, and that's in preparation for the, the armies of the world together because they've got this great idea that they're going to fight against God, and he's more than happy to comply. And then the seventh bowl is earthquakes all over the earth and 100-pound hailstones. I don't even know what that looks like. 100-pound hailstones. I don't think you survive one, okay? And so all this takes place, and then after that, we have the thousand-year reign of Christ. Now, I told you when the two witnesses would be there, I want to tell you about the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast starts happening early on, probably around seal number two, where people are starting to commit themselves to the false prophet and to the Antichrist and, and to really serving Satan. And that's a scary thing. So that's our context. That's our overview so now, next week, when we start reading chapter 6, and when it says, And I watched the Lamb open the first of seven seals, and I heard this. Then the Lamb opened the second seal, and I heard this. We're going to know the sequence. We're going to understand what's happening. Frankly, without today, you would read this and go, Yeah, so what? Like, whoopee. Right? That that's, doesn't sound like God at all. That sounds really weak. But when we understand that God is showing us what man is going to do and then telling us how he's going to respond, it makes sense. So we have a context to work with. We understand the progression. We understand that it's, it starts quiet, but it gets loud in every sense of the word. And God is saying, I need you to repent now. I'm calling you to repent now. If you wait, it's going to be too late. And it's the last massive call to humanity. That's how we read it. And when we have that context, it's going to make a lot of sense. And next time you read it in your Bible reading plan, you'll go, oh yeah, I see what God's doing. I see how this works. So I'm excited for the study to come. A little nervous about a few parts because I got to do some studying again, but it's going to be good. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for our time today. Thank you for the context, really an introduction to future sermons. And I pray that this information would give us comfort in knowing that you know exactly what's going to happen and you're in control of what's going to happen. No one's going to do anything to mess up your plans. 
Satan's not going to win a little battle here and a little battle there and all of a sudden be successful. You are in control. Thank you, because it brings me great comfort that right up to the very end, you are calling people to repentance. You are calling people to salvation. And that just tells me that, that that's who you are. That's who you've always been, and that's never going to change. It also shows us that you are just, and justice will be served. That we will get to the point where if Jesus didn't pay for our sin, then we'll have to pay for it ourselves. And, and the end of your patience is coming. Father, help us as we study to, to take it in and to understand it. And maybe this is one of those questions we can answer for somebody and help them in their journey to putting their faith in you. Father, we pray that the rapture comes soon because we want to be with you, and it just means that your, your work is coming closer to an end. But we also pray that our loved ones and our people on our salvation list and the missing and, and, and our neighbors have more chances to receive you as their Savior, and we will rejoice when that happens. We'll give you the honor and the glory. Help us to live for you in a, in a great way this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.